And July of 1961, there were 38 members of the Green Bay Packers that were gathered in a room ready to listen to their second year coach at that time, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi went on to become one of the winningest NFL coaches in history and certainly paved the way for a lot of other winning teams and coaches. But this particular season, the, um, the Green Bay Packers were coming off of a very disappointing loss in the NFL championship. They had lost just in the last seconds of the game. Uh, they had sort of uh, not fumbled away, but really messed up and, and sort of given the game away to the Philadelphia Eagles. And so they've had the whole offseason to think about this. And in his second year, Lombardi comes in and he stands before those men. And these guys are thinking, all right, let's tune our ears because we trust this coach. I mean, look how far he brought us just in one year and all the wise things that he has to say. Let's tune our ears to hear what he has to say because there is something that's going to be said here in this meeting that is literally going to blow our minds and we are going to charge out of here ready to be NFL champions next year. Lombardi stood up and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Now wait a minute, are you serious? I mean, you're talking to 38 professional football players who know the depths, the in and outs of, of all of the charts, of all of the diagrams of, of how to run plays, and, and they've memorized most of them. And this guy has the audacity to stand up there and say, gentlemen, this is a football. Well, he was undaunted by the looks and the stares that he received, and, and so he proceeded to tell them that this training camp, every morning they were going to get together and they were going to have class time and they were going to go back to talking about fundamentals. They went back to learning how to do the simple things, blocking, tackling. They went back to learning how to literally catch a ball, knock a ball down. They went back to doing some of the fundamentals that many of the teams around the NFL at that time had grown so arrogant that they didn't think they had to practice those things. Six months later, after getting back to the very basics of what football was all about, they pounded the New York Giants 37 to nothing to win their first of many NFL championships. Getting back to the basics. If you go to the University of Alabama and you enter camp as a freshman, you'll hear a guy by the name of Nick Saban tell you this, winning is getting to the top of the mountain. Nobody's going to drop you off at the top of the mountain. You've got to fight, kick, claw your way to the top of the mountain. Then we win. So this morning I want to talk about following the coach. And here's the great news, folks. We don't follow a coach that is based on earthly wisdom. We don't follow a coach that, that bases everything on X's and O's. But we do follow a coach that has a perfect game plan. Why not put all of our effort into following someone who is a proven winner? I mean, how much more winning can you do than someone who is willing to literally lay down his life for his friends, he said. And you are my friends, he said, if you do as I command you. Well, how do we know 
what he commands us. Well, the number one thing that you learn in training camp besides following the coach is learning the playbook. So we're going to go to Jesus' playbook right now. It's called the living word of God. It's alive and vibrant, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting deep into the soul and yet healing at the same time. So Mark 1, beginning in verse 16. This is right at the outset of Jesus' ministry here on this earth, a ministry which literally turned the world upside down in just three years, three years from the start of his ministry until the time he hung on a cross. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. By the way, Simon later was called Peter. Saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now I want you to understand a little bit of the background here. Jesus had already met Andrew. All right, Andrew saw Jesus when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. And he listened to his teaching and he, he saw that, that dove that came down from heaven lighted on Jesus' shoulders and then he heard that voice that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So Andrew's already had his eyes open. All right, so this is not one of those cases where, you know, you read this and you think there is no way that somebody who's doing their livelihood, somebody who's a fisherman, is just going to drop his nets and follow him. I mean, there's no way that that's going to happen, right? Well, there had already been some seeds planted by a guy named Andrew. Andrew had already started that journey to the top of the mountain. And he was excited about getting there, and he was excited about sharing the living word of God, the living invitation through Jesus Christ to come and follow. And so he had already talked to, he had already prepared his brother and even some others. You got to come and see this guy. You got to listen to him. He's the real deal. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And by the way, these guys were known as the sons of thunder, all right? These guys had a reputation that you didn't mess with them, all right? They had, they had this temper or something. I mean, they, they, were, they were quick to be set off. And so Jesus goes and he calls those guys to come and follow him. Listen to this. He said, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, and they were preparing their nets to go fishing. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They, too, had had their hearts prepared to follow Jesus. You see, this was during a time, and here again, this is the perfection of when Jesus came and did his ministry here on this earth as God, all God, and yet all man. This was a time where people were looking for something real to follow. Not something political, not something falsely religious. They were looking for something or someone real to follow. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I don't know how many times a week I hear individual stories of, of, of people who have said, you know, I left church for a long time because all I saw was religion. All I saw was was, you know, falsehood, people claiming to be something that they're not. Now, last week, I reminded you that we're all hypocrites, 
okay? None of us can live up to completely what we believe. But we're headed up that mountain, remember? That mountain is a tough one to climb. Jesus said, if you will follow me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If we set out to follow him, just the basic decision, Lord, I will follow you no matter what. He will teach us along the way, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. You start up that mountain with him, and if you continue to obey and take step after step after step, it doesn't mean you've got to run 20 miles up that mountain every day. It just means step by step by step. He will always be there to give you the strength to move forward. That's what it means. That's why Next Church exists. Not that Next Church is any better than any other church. I do, I do tend to believe that we've got some great folks here. And one of the things that excites me about being here every Sunday morning is that I get to rub shoulders and shake hands with people that are real. All right? And that excites me. But every one of us are battling to continue up that mountain in following Jesus. And it is a battle. Jesus came at a time when people were looking for something real to follow. And it says they dropped their nets and saw real and they followed him. Faith is a willingness to appear foolish at times. When Jesus says, hey, join me. Let's head up that mountain together. I promise you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just the decision to really follow Jesus, not just to believe, not just to have the head knowledge, but to really say, in my heart, Lord, I give it all to you. I want to follow. It's going to look weird to the rest of the world. It's going to look foolish. Jesus said, I'll give you the strength, and I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. And so how do we stay on track? How do we know that we're following him? The most guarded and precious treasure in training camp is the playbook. You guard it with your life. In fact, in most NFL or even college training camps, if something happens to your playbook, there is great punishment involved. And if that playbook ever gets out to anybody else, then you got to redo the whole thing. I mean, that playbook is incredibly valuable. We have a playbook as Christians that is so incredibly valuable, the difference is it's not a secret. He wants it to get out to everybody. He's not willing that anybody should perish. He's not willing that anybody should be on the losing team. He wants every one of us to win and get to the top of that mountain. Let me tell you today, folks, this is a football. This is a football. Very simple, fundamental, but let me give you even better news, something that is eternal. This is the living Word of God. Far more powerful than any game that can ever be played. Well, I tell you what, there's very few things that are more exciting than, than watching your team win a national championship, making it to the top of the mountain. In this world, there's very few things that are more exciting. That excitement lasts for how long? You may have bragging rights for one year. And then guess what? Somebody else comes along and dethrones your team. Let me give you something with eternal bragging rights. Paul said, I boast in nothing 
except the cross of Jesus Christ and salvation that comes only through him. In training camp, we've got to learn the playbook. That's the first and, and greatest step after we, we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I'm, I'm headed up that mountain with you. I trust you. I give you my heart. We've got to learn the playbook. It's a perfect playbook. It's an incredible playbook. And when times get tough, we've got to remember that our purpose, which is to glorify him and take steps toward him, it doesn't matter how long you followed him, every day is another step toward him. Some days are filled with several steps, but it's always about taking steps closer and closer to him, further and further up that mountain. And there are some days, folks, let's be honest about it, as we're going up that mountain, we're going to slip, and we're going to take a tumble. We don't quit. We don't say, well, I guess I wasn't cut out for this, or well, I, I, I guess I'll blame the coach for that. He promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me, and here I am, sitting in a briar bush halfway down the mountain. Wow. It's not that you fall that makes you a winner or a loser in anything. It's the one who gets up and says, I'll keep going. I'll continue to trust the playbook, and I will follow. I tell you, the thing that I hate the most, I mean absolutely hate the most, is watching an Alabama football game. I don't know why I ever let myself become a fan of the University of Alabama. Uh, other than the fact that my wife is a graduate. But, I, you know, I've been a longtime fan of Ohio State University. And somehow, because I, I married this lady who went to the University of Alabama, I find myself cheering for Alabama. And it makes me mad because they have a coach that always goes back to the playbook, goes back to the basics. It doesn't matter if they're down by 20 points. He doesn't change the game plan. He'll make little corrections here and there, and they'll make little adjustments, but the playbook is always the same. And somehow, a lot of times, they'll claw their way back and literally win a game. And you just sit there and shake your head like, how did they do that? They didn't deserve to win that game. They should have lost that game. This is true in life as well. There are times when we find ourselves down. And we want so badly to write our own plays. We want so badly to say, okay, I'm taking this game plan into my own hands and I'm going to move forward this way. I want to tell you, really honestly, in November of 2015, when, when our daughter-in-law was murdered, I wanted to take the game plan into my own hands. I was an angry dad-in-law. I was an angry father. And... and Drove all the way to Indianapolis, sat with my son while his wife died, and inside I was seething. And I, and I knew, I knew what the game plan said. I knew what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to respond. And I'm going to stand here and be real honest with you. I didn't want to respond that way until I found out that my son was going live on TV. And I said, Davey, what are you going to say, man? What are you going to say? And he said, Dad, I have no idea, but I know that God wants me to forgive. And he said that broken with tears in his eyes. And I thought, how are you going to do that? Because he knew that there was a mountain to climb. 
And Jesus would never leave him nor forsake him. And one of the most important parts of the game plan is to accept forgiveness and give forgiveness. Now just because we accept forgiveness and give forgiveness doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean there's not pain, incredible pain. It doesn't mean that we automatically just recover from grief. It still comes in, in waves at the most unexpected times. It's still an uphill climb. In fact, there are some days where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being drug up the mountain, literally. I'm just kind of putting one leg in front of the other, and, and, and if I'm feeling that way, I know my son ten times feels that way. These men who dropped their nets and said, we're going to follow you, Jesus. In that culture, it was a great honor to follow a teacher. And what you have to understand is that when they said, I'm going to follow you, they left everything. This was not just a head knowledge follow of, oh yeah, I believe what you're saying. They left everything. They left their livelihood. They had to leave their families for, for many days at a time, and they followed Jesus. And when they followed him, they made the determination that they were going to learn and their minds were going to be formed by what he had to say and what he had to teach. That's how greatly they trusted Coach Jesus. His culture, literally, his heavenly culture and his earthly culture, how he lived, what he said, was going to be so ingrained in their hearts his holy words that he spoke to them, they chose that for their culture. Every one of us has a culture. We talk about, you know, a mountain culture. We talk about a southern culture. We talk about a Yankee culture. We talk about, you know, the northeastern culture. We talk about all these cultures. The truth is, cultures are far more vast in number than just location geographically. Cultures are a part of everybody's heart individually. Your culture is far different than mine. Jesus' culture is the only perfect one, and these guys said, we're going to follow that, and we're going to let that culture permeate our lives. And guess what, folks? They got to listen to his word audibly every day that they followed him. We have the opportunity to read his living word, hear him touch our hearts every day. The most valuable tool other than the Holy Spirit himself giving direction, the most valuable tool that he left with us. How do we treat the playbook? How do we treat the playbook? You see, most people believe that God is real. Very few actually live like it. Very few actually put in the Word of God to the point where it becomes their culture, drives us, moves us, leads us. I want you to watch a little video clip, and, and please forgive me for doing this. Um, I do have a, a great deal of pride in, in my sons, uh, and I don't, I don't normally do this and display that pride, but um, 
this is, this is an interview where my son was actually being interviewed by my brother, who is a pastor in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, in this interview, this is just a three-minute little clip from that interview, Davy reminds us of how literally through the Word of God we are training now, right now, for the test that we face tomorrow. Haven't yet faced it today, but we are training. We're in a training camp, folks. And we have available to us a playbook that will teach us how to live no matter what comes up that mountain tomorrow. Um, I think what is important, you know, there's a lot of questions I'm asked. You know, people saw, a lot of people saw the interviews that you did and just you really a very strong projection of a faith and a confidence but yet there's also uh questions i would guess is that really him and i say as long as i've known the the guy you know since he was five when um you know they married my grandma married the other grandma you know since i've known them <laughs> i said that's him i've that's who davy is what you're seeing on television is who he is but yet in the honesty as well of mm -hmm. having to pro i want to talk about processing yeah. forgiveness yeah towards those who committed this act but before mm -hmm. i get there Talk to us a little bit about how you processed your own. Obviously, you know, as the information came out, the door was unlocked mm -hmm. when the people broke into your home. To be honest, we've never locked our doors yeah. until this happened. We lock our doors all the time. I mean, it was a wake-up yeah. call. Yeah. Um, but the false guilt of, you said, the thousands yeah. of scenarios of what if. How right. did you process that? Well, there's a, there was a lot of processing going on. I think that's what, what's so interesting is people were, you know, one, there's like a whole, a whole slew of people. Actually, they're more of a sliver of people. They just happen to be really, really loud out there. We call them the trolls, right? And, and they're, you know, they're like, yeah. how, did, how is he so strong in those interviews and stuff? And frankly, uh, it wasn't strength. It was a combination of a couple things. It was shock, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and in, when you, if you've ever experienced trauma like that, you understand like there is just this period of shock. There still is. I'll be driving yeah. down the road and I'll be like, did that really happen? Like, am I really in this life right now? Yeah. And so you, it's kind of like you never really, they talk about the stages of grief, but you never really go, it's not stages, it's not linear, it's not clean like that. It's these waves of all of these different things, and shock is one of those. But I think what's important when it comes to um, how you're preparing your character for, and what, what I like to call it is training for the trial that you're not yet in, Yeah. right? How you're preparing your character before is it's a lot like sports, that when you get in the pressurized situation of the game or the championship, it becomes muscle memory. Yeah. Right. And so you'll ask a, a, a world class athlete. You'll look at them. Right. You look at, um, you know, all these Olympians this, and, and yeah. they're and they're going, OK, well, I just do it because I've just always done it. Right. It's just this muscle memory of something that is going on. And, and frankly, what you're seeing, what you're seeing in those interviews is shock, muscle memory and a lot of God's grace. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of God's grace, because I told you the other night that um, there's a there's a pastor in Indianapolis who lost his wife five years ago. And I remember meeting him for the first time when we first moved to Indy and then going home to Amanda, like after hearing his story and, and seeing his faith in the midst of it, going home to Amanda and saying, I cannot imagine going through that. I literally remember the conversation. Yeah. Babe, I can't imagine going through that. And holy cow, his faith in the midst of it, he's trusting God for good things. And, and then on, and on the other side of it, now I'm on this side and people say the same thing to me and I'm going, see, I, would, I said the same thing. Yeah. But what you don't understand is this is not my strength. This is my weakness and God's strength proving himself perfect and strong in the midst of my weakness.
times that we are tested beyond our own ability to even cope. But if in the midst of following, we see the value, not just of the overall game plan. I think there are Christians that are meeting all over the United States today, and they think that they have really bought into the game plan because they're showing up at church twice a month or whatever it may be, and they, and, and, and they listen to the Word of God, and they may even listen to a podcast now and then of, of another preacher, but are they really into the Word themselves? Every time that we take a step up that mountain where He has invited us to follow Him, are we doing it being saturated in the Word of God? Are we preparing ourselves for trials that have yet to come? Or are we getting into the game plan and recognizing, you know what, this, this, this playbook, I can't run that play because I don't agree with it. My lifestyle doesn't buy into that, what Jesus says. And so therefore, it's either false or else I'm just not cut out to be this Christian, this follower of Jesus Christ. What he wants for us to do is take one step of faith at a time. He's not saying buy into it and buddy, I'll pick you up and set you on the top of the mountain right now. Remember what Nick Saban said? There's nobody that's going to take you and drop you at the top of the mountain. We're on a journey. We're following him. And every step of the way he is preparing us for tomorrow. No matter what we go through, he wants his glory to shine through us and I want to tell you that is not an easy thing to accept because we live in an overall culture that says it's all about me and if it doesn't bring me comfort then I'm not believing in it what's it worth and yet if we have an eternal perspective and recognize that this life is like just that little pebble that you drop in a huge huge lake it's here and it's gone but there are ripples that can have effect. He wants your life and my life and the life of his church to have that kind of an effect. We're not building something here at Next Church that is an institution that's going to be around forever. We know that every institution is, is only temporary. We have no idea how long any of us may be around. But the one thing that we do know is that everything that he builds is eternal. And so the church is you and me, not the institution, not the building. But if we follow him, he is building something eternal. Train now for whatever tests may be in your life in the future. You see, everything in your past is preparing you for something in your future. God does not waste anything. Pain, hardships, we can try to run away from it. We can run away from what we're afraid of and we'll just be running all of our lives. We can try to take control of it and we will be grappling for control that we can't have, that we don't have all of our lives. There are more things in this world that you cannot control than what you think you can control. The one thing that we can control is how we follow him. Proverbs 17, 24 says this. Write it down. Just write down Proverbs 17, 24. All right? That's, that's not what that three by five card is for. 
That's coming up yet a little bit later. But just write down Proverbs 17, 24, all right? And then go and read it this afternoon. It says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Now, I, I, I promised you I wouldn't say anything that would make you angry. Um, hopefully, you won't be angry at this, but maybe all of us should be a little bit convicted. Because oftentimes, I admit, oftentimes, when things are going bad, when things are going really challenging, rather than grabbing the playbook and say, okay, what play should I run next, Lord? Show me. Speak to my heart. Oftentimes I dig deep into my own wisdom. Solomon said that's a big mistake. Big mistake. Ask him for his wisdom, not your own. Ask him for his wisdom, not your own. Because a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. We live in a world that wants to get all emotional and say, oh man, just follow your heart, just trust your heart. And Solomon himself said, don't trust the heart of man. Above all else, the heart of man is evil and wicked. So don't follow your heart. Follow his heart. And the only way we can find out his heart is right here, folks. I don't know how many times I hear people say, well, I just thought that was the right thing because I was following my heart. Let me tell you something. If you're not consistently in his word and you get a feeling that something, you, that you ought to do something, then run away from whatever that feeling was and go to his word. That's what following Jesus is all about. Jesus laid before those men that he called a momentous opportunity. He said, come and follow me. At the end of my life, I do not want to have a long list of regrets of all the opportunities to honor him that I left sitting at the table. I don't want that. I want to be in the playbook. I want to know I don't want to guess. I don't want to look back and say, okay, I have all this great wisdom because I've lived 55 years now. This is what I think needs to take place. I want to know that I know that I know what the next play is that he wants me to run. Who we are and what we, what we become is based on our choices. Our choices whether or not to be in the Word. Now you say, Pastor Dave, why are you pounding the Word so much today? I mean, there's so much else that goes along with following Jesus, like, like praying, and, and, and like, like giving, like serving, like being like Jesus. There's so many other things that, that we do. Why are you really hitting the Word? You want to know why? Because I don't think we can do those other things properly until we know the game plan. Think about it. How many people do you know that pray and their prayers don't even hit the ceiling. Do you know that he tells us how we should pray? Over and over again, he tells us how to pray in the game plan. 
He tells us what our posture is, not whether we're supposed to be on our knees or standing up. He tells us what the posture of our hearts should be when we come before him to pray. He even goes so far as to tell us what to ask for and what not to ask for. That's his game plan. It is full of not just advice, but his powerful plan for our lives. That's why. I'm not leaving any of those other things out. I believe in prayer. I believe in giving. I believe in serving. And I believe that all of that has a great deal to do with following Jesus. I just think that we screw up the game plan over and over again because we forget that this is primary. When we get to training camp, we've got to guard this thing with our lives. This is his vital, living, powerful truth. There's victory at the top of the mountain. And he's called us to follow him one step at a time. And here's what I know. There will be a lot of challenges along the way. There are going to be things that, that we're going to see in the word that, wow, I've got to make radical changes. God, give me the strength to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Man, I've been doing this for 20 years. And, and I know that you're, you're pressing in on me, Lord. I'm reading it in your word. You're pressing in on me to make a change. I don't know how to do that. Let me comfort you. Keep reading the word because he'll show you how connect with others that will read and pray with you. Don't give up. Don't sit down on the side of the mountain and say, well, I guess it's just not real because I don't fully understand this. I want to tell you something, folks. I'm the pastor of a church that I love. And every day, just about every day, I face an attitude or a desire something else that I don't know how I'm going to get past this and I'm tempted to sit down and just say you know what forget it and then I'm reminded that our purpose is greater than our challenges you got that our purpose is not just to get to the top of the mountain our purpose is to honor him every step of 